Hello, everyone. This is Lou Rosenfeld, uh, and welcome to the Rosenfeld Review Podcast Series. I'm here with Donna Leachow. Hi, this is Donna. How you doing? I'm pretty good. We're actually recording live in the same room here in Brooklyn. We're neighbors. We live in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Usually I do these remotely, so it's nice to see a face as well as hear a voice. And uh, I should also note that Donna with Eduardo Ortiz, uh, they were the first people I ever interviewed for a podcast. So it's nice to have a reunion. It's also nice to have uh, this moment to talk with you because um, Donna just wrapped up uh, writing a book for Rosenfeld Media called The User's Journey. And uh, usually at this point in the publisher-author relationship, Things could be a little rocky, and uh, I like to think they're they're not right. We're we're, we're good. We're pretty good, I would say. Uh oh, you said pretty good. I was actually hoping for a more enthusiastic. <laughs> yes, Lou. Well, um, we're good. We'll, we'll we'll muddle through nonetheless. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, whatever Donna thinks of me, I'm really <laughs> excited uh, by where we are. Uh, Donna's book is coming out in a few days, March twenty second. And uh, you can actually pre-order it at a deep discount right now from RosenfeldMedia.com. But um, the the book is something that I'm finding just fascinating as a topic. Uh, I thought that we could talk a little bit about how you're applying story mapping in your work right now, because I think this is something that a lot of people listening are going to be really excited by. Uh, we already feel... We have some concept of story. We all understand story to some degree. That's a part of being human, really. But as people who do research and design, we're not always tapping story in the ways that we think we should. And there's certainly lots of people who've been investigating story from different angles. Uh, and uh, obviously, our, our book, Storytelling for UX, came out a few years ago, Whitney Cuisenberry and the late Kevin Brooks. That's done quite well. It's helped a lot of people. But I think you're taking a different angle here. What's your take on how we should be using story? Sure. So to explain how, how I use story now, I'm going to backtrack a, um, a few years. Although I say a few years, I, I, a few years sometimes means over a decade. But I'll backtrack um, a little bit ago. I used to be a filmmaker. And when you're making films, you map stories out. Even if you're making fiction or Hollywood, or in my case, I was a documentary filmmaker, you, you map stories out and you use narrative structure to make sure that you're always in, keeping your audience engaged and building something that um, is, is not only interesting, that, but that people remember and learn from. And so it was something I did many, many years ago, and I, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten because I ended up working in, in tech um, and uh, helping companies build websites, software, apps, things that I thought weren't, weren't too similar to, to films. But a few years ago, what I started realizing is that a lot of those same techniques, mainly mapping stories, apply to building software, websites, apps, even in-person um, analog services. In other words, plot points and story structure, it's, it's how our brain understands all experiences. So the, the experience you have when you walk down the street or, um, you know, my jumping in a, in a green taxi to get here on time <laughs> earlier, that, that's a story. It has, has plot points and depending on how that story is remembered and built, it, at least with websites, software, and apps, I found 
leads to, to greater engagement, leads to people actually trying to use things, users getting engaged and loving loving what they use. So is the anatomy of story then plot points and, and actors and there's some progression, right? I mean, there's the actual narrative structure that moves you. How do you, how do you depict that visually? So it, it, it is all of that. It is structure. It, um, mainly to me, story is structure. So if you would have asked me 15 years ago when I was in film school what a story was, I, I would have thought it was um, someone telling something about something and a bunch of stuff happening. And what I didn't quite realize is that story is structure. It is a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if any of uh, you in the audience have ever seen a, a narrative arc, um, if not, once you pick up the book, you'll see, you'll see many narrative arcs. But that's the, the structure that I like the best. It's the simplest, and it's the one that, um, that I can remember on the go, especially when I'm clients and, and working quickly. But it's, it's plot points that um, I can walk through the plot points, or we can, uh, you know, well, what, it. Could you um, walk through how that narrative structure informs something that's designed? Like uh, in your own work, for example, give us an example, uh, an example that you're working on. Sure. And I, um, the, the best way to understand how story works with things that aren't, aren't movies is, is like this. So for a movie, you're sitting in a dark theater, or this is, works for TV shows as well over many years even. You're sitting in a dark theater for around an hour and a half. There's a certain narrative structure, and you in the audience are brought along a journey that builds in certain ways so that at the right times your, your heart starts racing or your palms get sweaty or you start wondering, oh, what's going to happen now? And usually if it's done well, you're going to want to stay through the end of the movie and then you're going to go tell all your friends about it afterwards. And so that's how it works when you're in the audience in a, in a movie theater. If you're using a website or if you're even just hearing about a new app that you're your cousin thinks is the coolest thing ever. Story structure works in, in much the same way. It's just that it's not someone telling you stories, it's you experiencing a story. So to give you an, an example, a project that I, um, I just finished up recently. It's, um, so imagine an alumni services website at a large university. They want to engage their um, their alumni over time so that they give uh, donations to the university and so that they participate in things like events and, um, and a plethora of other ways that they can engage people. And so being an alumni is a journey. And, and it might sound, sound cheesy, but it, but it actually is. So when I work on projects where we're trying to increase engagement, um, this could be an onboarding flow, it could be a sales funnel, it could be um, event planning. In this case, it was a website and a digital marketing strategy. What we do is we, we go out and we talk to existing users or an existing audience base. So in this case, we went out, we talked to alumni of the university who were really engaged. And we heard their stories. We find out what got them interested in being um, involved with alumni services, what kind of things they did with alumni services, how things got better over time, or if they didn't, what, what some of the issues might be. 
um, we talked to them about the value that they got out of being active alumni, and then about what what it meant to them in their life and how they got other people involved. Now, the thing about all of those things that I just listed right now, those are all plot points in a good story. We have you know fancy words or inciting incident, rising action, crisis, climax, mm-hmm. falling action, and then the end. And so these are all things that not only guide how someone like a filmmaker tells a story, but it guides how our brain understands something that we experience, whether it's, you know, 30 seconds running down the street, that could be a story, or it could be being an alumni of your university over 10, 20, 30 years, that your brain experiences as a story. So what matters there is that it's not just people recounting stories, but these plot points are all things that we can use in a digital strategy to mm-hmm. then build a website, email campaigns, donation funnels, event planning that have those plot points in mind. So, for example, if everyone tells us that the reason why they got involved with alumni services after graduation is because a friend told them, hey, will you come, come help us out for something? That's something, uh, even a website can mimic. You can have ways to get people involved. You can have ways for alumni services to, you know, invite people to, to do things and on and so forth. So, you know, working with your client in this case, imagine the fact that you were sort of organizing the design moments uh, by using plot points over a narrative art. Um, it's probably familiar to them in some way. Uh, and maybe they understood what you were trying to help them to do more. It's not, so it's not just the fact that your design might be more effective, but socializing the design may also be more effective. Is that true? Yeah, using story structure to socialize something, like in this case it was research findings. Sometimes it's um, we just we're brainstorming and coming up with what could be, and we don't have research, and we then go test it. But what matters is that it gives a framework for doing exactly what you just said, which is, that it often forms what people already know. Mm-hmm. So for alumni services, for example, with this university, and this isn't the case for all universities, everyone, every story would be different for different alumni groups. In this case, the alumni, for the most part, told us that the high point or the climax of their engagement with, um, with the university as an alumni and as an undergrad was community. This school, unlike, I, I wish I went to this university mm-hmm. at this point, it sounds, it sounds amazing, but they all felt this amazing sense of community. These people were friends with the president, they were friends with staff, they, they just knew everyone on campus. And so community was why they stayed involved. The community was an ongoing theme. When they felt that, then it became like a soap opera serial where there would be multiple story arcs over a period of many years and it just kept coming. Coming back, it almost becomes habitual. Right. So when we worked with the, you know, in this case, the client told them what we'd heard. It, it was kind of wonderful because the big answer was, oh, we thought that was the case, but we didn't really know. Not only that, they hadn't really thought about it in, in that way before in terms of a story where then you could build and reverse engineer plot points and, and build your website strategy around it. So I... And we've talked a little bit about this uh, as you worked on the book, but one of the things that I find really compelling about this approach is how it can get designers to relate to time. 
that we're not just working on these sort of contained moments, if you will, which may be a screen or a page or what have you, but that these things tie together. I mean, you know, from my perspective, like one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about information architecture back in the 90s when people weren't really looking at it was that I felt like, you know, the, the limited view of it at the time was very two-dimensional, two-dimensional screens or pages that were kind of, you know, disconnected from the other pages or screens or other 2D surfaces. And then I was very excited by multidimensional spaces that you could move through that had navigation and, and, uh, and, and other ways of moving through the space. And space and time are kind of the same thing, really. And I think what really speaks to me here is like you're, you're kind of making time something of a design material. You're, you're using moments, you're identifying moments or plot points, but then you're sequencing them and in effect organizing them to go in a certain order that makes sense. And if they were, and, and you know, if you randomly sorted those moments, they don't make sense. And I think that's exactly it, which is time as a design material is, it's how filmmakers have, have always worked. And except in that case, the, the, the timeline is, is, is set in terms of, well, scene one, scene two, scene three, and, and onwards. And filmmakers have been trying to experiment for years with what they call non, non-linear narratives. Mm-hmm. And they're often, um, I did that in grad school as, as well. Um, it's utterly boring and <laughs> it's not very exciting. It's something for, for academia, really. Um, but you click around and after two minutes, you're just, you know, you're kind of bored. It's not really as exciting as, as sitting through um, something like a movie. But the, the reason for that is, so in terms of time, the way I always saw it when I was in school is that in, so this was, this was back in, in the 90s uh, mm-hmm. when I was an undergrad, and I was working uh, part-time as, um, so like my, my day job outside of school was a, um, as a web designer and a web producer, or at the time we also called it a multimedia producer, because we would build things like um, interactive kiosks, remember those, mm-hmm. and, and uh, CD and DVD ROMs. Oh, I remember. Very, very exciting. Try not to. And, I know. <laughs> so um, the way I saw it was I, I studied film. That was my major because there were no web design um, programs. Mm-hmm. And actually, our, our alma mater is the same, the University of Michigan, where I was from, mm-hmm. and um, there was there were no web design programs. There was nowhere I could study how to do what I wanted to do. So I studied film thinking... I'm learning how to design for four dimensions, three dimensions and four dimensions. So space, because there's a lot of, it's a film term called mise-en-scene, what you put in the scene, mm-hmm. and designing for time, because the, it's, um, it's, it's time that you're building with. Right. And so for me, designing with time comes naturally. And 15, 20 years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said that working in media like building software, websites, apps, or CD, CD-ROMs, that what I was doing was scaling back to two-dimensional, uh, to the two-dimensional universe, that I was building 2D things. And it really wasn't until a few years ago that I realized, you know what, it's not, it's not 2D. I don't even design screen interfaces anymore, so it's especially not what I do. But it's four-dimensional, the way people experience uh, thinking about apps or using them. 
Right. Um, it's four-dimensional. You experience it. You go through step one, step two, step three, step four. There's no avoiding it. We have to harness it. And I, I think, obviously, it, you know, this thinking and, and approach you know, have obvious relevance in designing things like websites and apps. But in our field, we're already finding ourselves in all kinds of settings where we're designing other types of things. Uh, I mean, things become multi-channel, kind of a mix of physical and digital. So I, I just want to give you an example um, where your thinking inspired me and, and a couple other people, uh, Dave Malouf and Uday Gajandar. We're the three people who programmed the Enterprise UX conference. Uh, uh, the first one was uh, in San Antonio in May of 2015. We kept thinking about the arc of the first day. It's a, it's a two-day single-track main, main program, main conference. Uh, and... And so here, if you're putting on a conference, here's your challenge. It's, it's two days, and at the end of the first day, that's when you have everyone around and you want to have a big party. And that party can be very expensive, uh, like ours cost $37,000. And um, you have this intense day of conference program, and then a party, and people are drained, typically, by the time that party's happening. So you're throwing a party... People are probably going to go, spend a lot of money. The last thing you want is for them to show up looking like they've just been through the ringer. And um, so what we did was we wanted to kind of get the arc, the climax either like sort of extended to the party, not to, you know, uh, or, or, or a second arc to quickly emerge from the first arc before the first arc dropped off. So, you know, um, we uh, had this session that Dan Willis curated for us, a storytelling session, where we had uh, eight storytellers go in a row doing five-minute stories, which Dan curated and helped them practice and produce, and they were each fantastic. And we decided to put that at the end of the first day to break things up from the kind of standard conference format that we had and we also wanted to give it a raucous mood to kind of bridge to the party. And so as Dan was introducing the, the, the last hour, the storytelling session, um, Dave and Uday and I burst out from behind the stage with beer and popcorn. We had those trays that hung from our necks with beer from kegs and cups, paper cups. And we started handing, we started going, beer here, beer here. And we started, like, at the stadium. And we started handing out beers to everyone, including the speakers, uh, for the storytelling session and people in the audience. And we served, I don't know, 400 beers and very quickly. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And handed out popcorn and kind of created a mood that said to everyone, re-energize, because this is different. And these sessions are different. And those storytelling sessions were very personal and emotional. Some people were crying as they spoke about them. Um, and it just charged everyone up so that that arc went back up. And by the time people arrived at that fancy expensive party we threw, they were buzzing. And then they got more energy from each other in the party. They were talking about the day. And when we had that moment, um, we knew that the conference was a success. It was a good first day, but we knew we were going to make it at the end of that session, at the end of the party, because of that session. So thanks for that. Appreciate it. I mean, any, any time. I, <laughs> I think um, what, what you found, and, and actually, so I've found this, I, you know, I've heard from people who attended that conference, and it was just 
people absolutely loved it. And so something like that, it's not just about good design, but if your business goals are to put on more conferences and sell more tickets, if it's to increase satisfaction, whatever, whatever they are, and it's actually key, I talk about this a lot in the book, that you have to have um, goals. This is something that a, a screenwriter who I collaborated with on the book a little bit here and there, just to make sure I wasn't getting things completely wrong here and there, um, he, he, I, lo- I loved what he said to me one day. He said, well, he, he said two things that I love. One, um, which is, if you, if you don't have a goal, you don't have a story. So that was one thing that I keep remembering. And then the other was um, you, you started getting into the weeds about story and structure and this and going in circles about something. And he paused and he said, you know what, actually, it's really simple. You have characters, goals, conflict. And that's the story. And, you know, I love it. He, he's so, you know, someone who, who um, writes screenplays, which are way, way, way complex. And um, that, that's, that's all you need. And so in terms of something like an you know, event, it's important that you know what people's goals are so, and what your business goals are so you, you can map out um, what the experience is going to be like accordingly. And um, I, you know, I always like to, to mention this. It, it's that I, um, I'm pretty sure we, we've talked about this, but I story mapped my, my wedding last year. And it's still something that people talk about even just two days ago I was at a friend's wedding and he pulled me aside and he said that um they modeled a lot of things after <laughs> after our wedding people remember these things you want people to have a great time map the story it's how our brains are wired to want to do things yeah, so so Donna's book is called the user's journey story mapping products that people love but we struggle with that title because <laughs> whether it's a product or a service or a conference program or a wedding uh, we think that uh, you're going to find Donna's book really valuable. Uh, and I, I w- I'll also mention, uh, while we're plugging the book, um, besides the fact that it goes on sale, and uh, well, that it'll ship on uh, Feb- March 22nd, 2016, very soon, it was lovingly illustrated by Eva Lottenbaum, uh, a German known for her sketchnoting prowess, but who also does some lovely work uh, collaborative work with a, uh, a couple of our authors, Donna and, and Sarah Walker Betcher, on her book content everywhere. So, uh, great illustrations and great writing. I hope you'll check out Donna's book. Uh, and um, Donna, thanks. Looking Thank you. forward to seeing how, how people react to it. And great to work with you on this project. Likewise, as always, a pleasure working with you. Thanks.